Hey, y'all. Welcome to Recharting Your Life with Hope. I'm your host, Hope Cook. I created this podcast to help women who have amazing careers on paper and yet something is missing. You're feeling out of alignment or directionless. Maybe you're no longer motivated or excited about how you spend your days. On top of all that, I'm guessing you feel guilty because you're not more grateful for your job. And maybe you even wonder how you can possibly keep going doing this for another 10, 15, or 20 years when you can barely make it through Wednesday. Let me tell you, I've been there. After 20 years with a rewarding career as a physician assistant, I could not figure out what was wrong with me. I felt pulled in a new direction, but didn't know what that was. A series of books and conversations led me to a life-changing decision to cut way back on my day job and become a life coach. My passion became helping other women figure out what it is they want to do and map out a path to get there. So listen weekly for tips and tools you can use to chart your own journey. Hey, y'all. So today I wanted to talk about something I've been reading about and listening to podcasts about. And once I get on a kick, I really can't seem to stop. And this is on positive psychology. So before you turn off the podcast or stop watching the YouTube video, I wanted to explain. So the opposite of happiness is not unhappiness. It's not depression. The opposite of happiness is apathy. And that can be a huge part of burnout. It can be a part of your work life where you just stop caring. You just stop giving a, you know what. And so what we're talking about today will hopefully give you some concrete ways that you can help boost your happiness. And the whole point of this is that happiness is a choice. Now, this is not just Pollyanna, like how you see the world. I'm going to give you some very specific examples of things you can start doing today that will increase your happiness level. Because think about it, guys. I mean, you spend half or more of your waking hours at work, at least during the weekday. I mean, if we look at your whole life, it's like a third of your life is spent at work. And if you do not have a sense of what I'm doing matters, that's going to lead to depression, higher rates of depression and suicide if what you do does not seem like it matters. And I was listening to a podcast with um, Oprah and Sean Anchor. Anchor, A-C-H-O-R, not anchor, like a ship's anchor. Anyway, Oprah was saying that for years on on, on her show, she would hear people say, I just want to be happy. But when she would get specific and say, well, what do you want? What would make you happy? They had a really hard time defining what it was that they that would make them happy. And I see the same thing when I'm coaching women who are experiencing this job uncertainty or job burnout. And they're like, I don't really know what I do want. Like, I don't, I'm not happy at my job. But I, and some of them are even like, I'm not miserable, but I'm also not feeling joy when I do what I do. I don't feel like my like I have a sense of purpose. 
And so I came across something um, in Sean Aker's book, um, The Happiness Advantage, and it talks about three different ways people look at their work. So some people see their work as just a job. It is a paycheck. It is a means to an end. They just go to work, do what they do, come home. Really doesn't have a whole lot of meaning. Um, I've had a job like that uh, when I was working at an urgent care one time. It was definitely just for a paycheck. Um, there's also people who see their work as a career. So these people, they've put in the work. They they've usually have an education around whatever it is they do. They may even enjoy what they do, but it does not feel like it's their calling. So that's the third part is does your work feel like you're calling? Is there um, a sense of meaning to it? Do you feel like you're making a difference in the world? And I would say most people I talk to, they're not really in the, it's just a job. And I'd say most people, um, especially if you're in the healthcare field, if you're a PA, um, it's a career. You, you do feel strongly about what you do. It does have some meaning but you probably question whether it matters in the grand scheme of things. I know I've gone through periods like that. And even with this podcast, I'm like, does this matter? Does this like really make a difference in the long run in anybody's life? Um, so we all do that. We all question it. What they have found, though, is that um, if you don't have this sense of meaning, it will lead to greater chances that you're going to burn out and you're going to have um, negative emotions like depression, anxiety, um, and that happiness is a choice. I know that sounds crazy because you're thinking, how can I change my job? How can I, like, I'm, I'm not choosing to have a toxic boss. I'm not choosing to be paid way under what I'm worth. Um, but there's something that I came across from like 20 years ago, and it's called job crafting. And so this is where you can look at what you do and figure out how to tweak it so that you start enjoying what you do more. So we're going to go over some of these different ways. Um, so Sean Aker says that um, happiness is a choice based on how we perceive the reality we find ourselves in. So it's not the reality. It's not your circumstances. Um, they've done extensive studies on this. And, a, and the number is 25% of your happiness is dependent on your circumstances. 75% is how you process your thoughts, how you process what's going on, the emotions that you choose based on your thoughts. Um, and, you know, we always hear growing up that when you're successful, this will lead to happiness. Or maybe we don't hear it. We just sort of know it. Um, even in elementary school, y'all, they talk about these standardized tests. And it's like you need to be successful and kids are led to believe, you know, success is going, my parents will be happy. Therefore, I will be happy when I'm successful. And at least that's, you know, kind of what I thought without realizing it for years. Like when I finish uh, my undergraduate degree, if I get all A's, I'll be successful and happy. Um, when I get into PA school, I'll be happy. 
when I graduate PA school, I'll be happy when I find a job. It's like on and on and on. But the problem with this is that the goalpost keeps moving. Every time we reach that pinnacle, it's like eh, it moves. And so what Sean says is that we need to change the framework. We need to change the equation. And what they found is that the happier you are, the more successful you are. Uh, MetLife uh, did a huge study in 1998. And what they found, they found that the top 10% of their salespeople, as far as their optimism, so they had them fill out these questionnaires, they interviewed them. So the top 10%, as far as optimism, those salespeople outsold everybody else by like 98%. So that's pretty impressive. So again, happiness needs to come before success and it will help you get to that, whatever success looks like for you. Um, so if you're in a job and you're like, okay, I get it. I need to be happy. How do, how do I get there? All right, so I have some concrete things for you. Um, how do you not see your job just as a job? How do you shift your mindset? All right, so first we're going to do job crafting. So if changing your job or changing your role, like you're, for me, like I'm a PA, I can't just decide I want to, you know, go back to school and be a physical therapist. I mean, that would take money and time. And so this job crafting is a way of re-energizing and reimagining your work life. So you redefine your job to incorporate your motives, your strengths, your passions. Um, so you sort of design, you get proactive, you design what you do at work. Maybe it involves changing tasks. It may involve relationship changes. Um, or, and this is one that I see a lot, if we can shift your perception about your job or your task that you do, that is going to lead to a huge shift in your work happiness. So it's the same role, but you get different meaning out of the role. Like the whole point, you know, in quotations, the whole point of your job sort of shifts. And this is what I saw when I, I was at the point where I decided I was leaving medicine for good. And I had prayed about it. I'd gone, you know, silent retreat and it had been months in the making. And I decided, okay, I'm doing it. I'm going to leave medicine. Um, and it was something about knowing that it was a choice that changed everything for me. So my boss asked if I wanted to stay on one or two days a week. And just knowing that at any point I could decide, wait, I, I don't actually don't want to do this anymore. Um, that was huge. And I know not everybody has that privilege where they can quit their job or they can decide they don't want to do their career anymore. Um, but I do know what it's like to have that mindset shift where everything really stayed the same. It was just for me, it was how I saw the job. Um, and I was able to start I saw my interactions with patients differently too. Um, having the background of functional medicine and life coaching made me see the visits in an entirely different way. So if a patient comes in and they have um, 
a new onset of an autoimmune rash, instead of just slapping them on a shot that'll get rid of it, I do take the time to ask them what's going on in their lives. Um, I ask them, you know, how are they sleeping? What, wh how does their stress look? Um, and I've talked to a lot of patients about seeing therapists or about making little adjustments or tweaks in their lives. It, just asking them questions a lot of times will prompt them to make a different choice um, in whatever it is they're doing. And that's kind of what we do in life coaching is I don't give you advice. I ask you a lot of questions to get you thinking about things in a different way. So that has really helped my own uh, work happiness. Um, another one is to change your interactions. So this involves being very cognizant of who you're around, um, who you like being around, who you may not like being around. How does their energy feel? Um, which days do you feel the most energized and fulfilled and happy? Is it when you are working by yourself and you're able to really focus? Is it when you are part of a team and you're able to um, coordinate ideas and you feel needed in those um, relationships? Um, is it learning? So you may also need to change your responsibilities. Maybe it's more like I am a lifelong learner. If I am not learning, I feel like I'm stagnant. And so can your job provide that? Can you sign up to learn a new skill? Um, about three years into dermatology, I got the chance to learn how to do surgery. And, you know, for like a year or two, I was really excited. When I would see a surgery on my schedule, I was like, yes, because it was learning. It was practicing new skills. Um, and so you really have to design this. Uh, one of the articles I read talked about a chef and how when the chef sat down and job crafted, he really changed his perception. He started thinking of his food as an art form and he's an artist. And so as he would plate the food, I don't even think he was at like a five-star restaurant, but as he would plate the food, he would look at it as his art form. And that was interesting to me because I see cooking that way. I think it was probably, I don't know, five years ago, I started thinking of food as my art form and I'll um, try to put together different flavors and colors and the kids absolutely hate it. But <laughs> anyway, I love that. So it's how you look at it. Um, somebody on my PA mom Facebook group posted um, a screenshot of somebody who had applied who applied to their office and I think it was for an administration administrate I can't talk administrative role and this was a lady who clearly had been a stay-at-home mom and the way she described herself she said um, you know activities coordinator and director of communications chief of police purchasing agent doctor nurse crossing guard janitor photographer teacher and everybody was like hire that lady immediately like clearly she sees her job as so important she takes pride in it um, and that's what you want with your own job so can you change your your responsibilities 
Can you change your interactions? Can you change your mindset? So one of the exercises Sean recommends is to rewrite your current job description. Like get creative. So like this stay-at-home mom described herself as like a doctor and a nurse. And so if you were to give yourself like agency to describe your job however you want, like, you know, who are you? Like, I feel like I'm part psychiatrist at my office because we're dealing with people who are pickers or people who have delusional parasitosis. parasitosis. They think they have bugs crawling on them Um, or they're crying because they have like all this skin stuff going on. So, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't obviously advertise myself as a psychiatrist because I'm not. But in this this exercise, this is just for your own personal viewing how do you, how would you describe your job creatively? And how would you want it to be? Like if you could tweak it, let's say that you are a first grade teacher and you're cleaning up uh, kids' potty accidents all day. So you might put janitor on your job description, but how would you rather it be? Like, would you rather be a creative consultant for little people or um, a coloring artist or I don't know how would you rather it be and this is partly like changing your story so if you start seeing yourself and your job as I matter what I do matters it is going to completely change your whole attitude you're not going to have that apathy anymore um Another way to do it is gratitude. So this sounds hooey. Everybody go ahead and roll your eyes. But I swear gratitude is an amazing solution to your problem. If you're sad, depressed, whatever, take two minutes or less. And this is Sean's advice. So two minutes, name three different things each day that you're grateful for. And this, he says it works because you're sort of doing this scan, this internal scan, and it makes you look for things during your day that are positive. So it's, again, what you're looking for evidence for. Are you looking for what sucks about your day or are you looking for what's good about your day? Um, Community. Okay, this one is huge, y'all. So when we have a sense of community, when we have connection, this contributes more to your life, to your longevity, more so than your blood pressure, your blood sugar, whether you smoke. Said another way, if you are lonely, if you do not have those social connections, it is going to be a huge health risk for you. And we we learned this during the pandemic. Um, the other reason, y'all, I'm doing this podcast, I'm going to be completely honest. We have a friend who is going through a really rough time with mental health. And, um, and he has been hospitalized because of, um, because of some severe um, depression. And he does not have the social connections at all. And this is just so important. So you may be thinking, okay, well, what is he supposed to do if he doesn't have these social connections? It's an effort. It's a muscle. You have to work it out just like you have to work out your actual muscles. So you, you take these little baby steps, you 
find something that you enjoy and you find other people who enjoy it and you sign up and you do it. Um, I listen to Mel Robbins podcast sometimes and she says she interviewed her mother-in-law who's in her 80s and her mother-in-law had some advice. She said, you know, a lot of people my age sit around, they feel sorry for themselves, they are victims um, and they don't have anybody. They feel lonely and that sort of defines who they are. And so Mel said, well, what advice do you have for these people? And she said, volunteer for hospice. And she said it like, of course, that's what you would do. And she went on to explain that, you know, people on hospice are dying. They want company, or at least some of them do, but they they need people to sit with them. And you have an opportunity to visit with somebody who is on their deathbed. And it's a, a big perspective shift for you. And it's so fulfilling. Like when you can have the ability to volunteer or to help somebody else, it really gives your life meaning. It does something for them, but it also does something for you. And the other thing is, this is, if you are in a bad place with your mental health or with your work, just know this is not the end of the story. This is not the end of the story. It feels like it, but it's not. And there are people, connections you can make who will help you. There are habits that you can start doing today that will help you. Um, and so all of these things will add up to having a better having happiness, but especially related to your work. So we said gratitude, community, somehow find a way to, to do service for others, um, rewrite your job description, change your story, change how you see yourself. There was an interesting study they did with Asian women and they had these women take a math test and they they prepped them, you know, in the little speech they gave up, going into the test, they said um, something about, you know, um, women are generally perceived as like not as good at math as men and blah, 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 and go ahead and take the test. And so the women did not do very well. They scored below average. Then they had um, the women, I guess they had a different group of women, I don't know, um, take the test. And instead of telling them that little blurb about men versus women, they said, you know, Asians are generally perceived as being math whizzes, um, blah, 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 go ahead and take the test. And when they planted that seed in their heads of how the women saw themselves, they did much, much, much better on the math test. And so how you see yourself really does matter. Um, how your boss or your teacher or your supervisor sees you also matters. Um, another study done with kids, elementary school age kids, and they had all these kids take a standardized test and they didn't let the teachers see the results. Instead, they picked a group of kids and they told the teachers, these kids right here are the cream of the crop. They are the brightest brightest of the bright. And this was a lie. These were actually uh, the group of average kids. And they told the teachers, do not let on that these kids are the cream of the crop. We don't want anybody to know. Treat them the same as you treat every other kid. Um, and then at the end of the year, they retested the kids. And the kids who were the average kids, but the teachers thought they were the brightest, 
scored higher than the brightest kids. So their scores went way up, even though the teachers were not supposed to treat them any differently. It really did make a difference how they were seen um, by their supervisor, their teacher, whatever. Um, I don't know that there is a lot you can do about that. If, you're, if your supervisor sees you as like, eh, she's not that great or she's kind of lazy, I don't know what you can do about that, but just take that information and, um, and chew on it, I guess. Okay, so what else? Um, oh, this last one. Diversify your meaning portfolio. Diversify your meaning portfolio. What gives your life meaning? So is it your job? Is it your kids? Is it your connections with other people? Like what gives your life meaning? And you don't want to, you need to diversify it. You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. You've heard about people who their kids define them. And then when their kids move off or get married, they're like lost. They don't know what to do with themselves. Their life no longer has meaning. Um, in the case of our friend, he retired. And I don't even know if his job gave him that much meaning, but that's, I think that's where he put all of his eggs. And so part of his depression when he retired, it was like, what? A, what's my purpose? What am I here for? I no longer have relationships at works and I don't have any outside relationships. So, um, so pay attention to where you're putting meaning. I've started, one of my weekly goals now is to make a friend connection, like go to coffee with somebody, go to lunch with somebody, reach out to somebody and just like talk. Even if it's, you know, I, talk, I called one of my high school friends the other day while I was walking the dog and it's intentional. I, I really want those relationships and those connections. They're very important to me, but I have not put any, <laughs> I've put very little effort in the last few years into relationships, including marriage. Um, we were on the call, on a call yesterday with the couple who did our marriage retreat. And it was like a follow-up phone call. And her name's Margo. Margo was asking how we were doing and I was going on and on about the kids. Well, this is stressful about the kids and the kids this and the kids that. And she was finally like, okay, it sounds like, sounds like the kids are sort of at your center. And I had not realized it, but I had inadvertently brought the kids back to my center of meaning for my life. Um, and so you have to diversify that. You have to figure out, okay, it's like a pie. So I'm not going to give this huge slice of my meaning pie or my energy pie to my job or to, you know, um, my kids. So figure that out um, and then look and see how you can job craft your own job. Um, if you love teaching, if that gives your life meaning, then can you take a student? Can you take an intern? If it's learning, what can you learn? What's what's a new skill set you can bring to your job? Um, can you find a mentor at work or could you mentor somebody else? I mean, that different times, those two things have added meaning to my life. Um, and if you can't, if you look at your job and you're like, well, it is what it is. I am still you know, make, making widgets all day by myself on an assembly line. There's no relationships, no connections. I can't learn anything new. I can't <laughs> diversify. Then 
you're going to have to decide whether to stay at this job or whether you can get all this fulfillment outside of your job. And maybe you can. I mean, I talked to a, a lady the other day who explained how many jobs we hit a ceiling in our 40s or 50s. And maybe it's that we can't make any more, or maybe it's that we're really good at our jobs. We've sort of fine-tuned it. And so the learning is sort of over. Um, and so we hit this ceiling and she explained that like you, you have to start learning new skills, uh, change jobs, or get a side hustle or a hobby or something outside of work that can give you that sense of meaning. Okay, I have talked enough. If you have feedback or if you're like, I still don't really get it, I'm not happy, and I don't think I can be happy at my job, reach out. My email is hope.cook at gmail.com. All right, I will talk to you guys next week. Thank y'all for listening. It was so much fun talking to you today. All right, if you are ready to make some major changes in your life, if you're at the point where you are sick and tired of feeling stuck and directionless and you really don't know what to do next or where to go, maybe it's time we had a little chat. So I have it set up on my website. You can schedule a free 30-minute discovery call and we'll sit down and decide if we're a good fit. Maybe you'd prefer group coaching. Maybe you need one-on-one -on -one coaching or maybe you just want to talk and, and say hello. So go on over to my website. It's coachhopecook.com. That's H-O-P-E-C-O-O-K.com and schedule the free discovery call. And I can't wait to talk to you. So See you next week, and hopefully I'll talk to some of you before that. <laughs>